This is Nutshell Politics, a show where we discuss what you need to know about current events, international relations, political conflict, and my favorite topic of discussion, terrorism. The mainstream media isn't always the best at reporting on international events. They often lack depth, context, and understanding, a problem unfortunately driven by ratings. But here, on Nutshell Politics, I seek to fill those gaps, and most importantly, to make sure you know what's actually going on out there. So let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of Nutshell Politics. My name is Justin Kenny, and I will be your ruggedly handsome host this week as we do actually a bit of an update episode. Uh, so we're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, we're going to be updating a, an episode that I talked about. This was an episode that was released back in early March, so almost exactly five months ago now. Uh, it was one where I talked about an individual. We did kind of a spotlight. It was actually a partial episode at the time where we did a spotlight on a man by the name of Hamza. Hamza bin Laden. Uh, Hamza bin Laden is the son of the much more infamous Osama bin Laden, who was the mastermind behind the 9-11 attacks, who led the terrorist group known as Al-Qaeda for many years. And at the time, I did kind of like half an episode where we talked about who Hamza bin Laden was, kind of his background, what where we kind of thought he was uh, positioned within the organization, maybe where he is supposed to have been leading down the future. And then what we're going to be doing today is updating that story because there was a brand new development in the Hamza bin Laden tale that just broke last week. And so we're going to update that as well. Now, because I spent a lot of background on who he was beforehand about five months ago, first half of the episode, I'm going to be talking about the update. We're going to be talking about what happened just last week with Hamza bin Laden and kind of what that means going forward. And then we're going to take a short commercial break and then I'm going to replay that last latter half of the episode from March 4th, I believe it was, of 2019, where you can get kind of the background on who Hamza bin Laden uh, was and kind of what the story is with him and his father and Al-Qaeda. And so we're going to be doing kind of half brand new material and then I'll do the commercial break and then half uh, a replay of this partial episode from five months ago. And this actually is supplementing uh, an episode that I, I had planned for this week. I'm doing kind of a, a much larger speculative episode on kind of the future of Europe. And that was supposed to have been released this week, but I, I kind of ran a little bit uh, delayed. I was out of town for a few days, and so I didn't get all the information I needed to finalize that episode. And so we're going to be releasing that next week instead. Uh, but it actually worked out great because this news story broke about Hamza bin Laden uh, just recently. And I felt like since I've already talked about it, this really needed to be updated for this new development in the Hamza bin Laden story. So it actually worked out pretty well. So this week we'll be doing Hamza bin Laden. And then next week we'll be dropping the, the kind of brand new, larger speculative episode on Europe. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive into this recent news story about Hamza bin Laden. So just last week, the story broke on, I believe it was July 31st, which was last Wednesday, that the U.S. had received some, some, some intelligence suggesting that Osama bin Laden's son, Hamza, and also his potential successor to uh, the Al-Qaeda throne, had died. And so three different U.S. intelligence officials spoke with NBC, and this is how the story broke. Uh, and they didn't give many details at all here. They didn't say when or where or how Hamza bin Laden died. They wouldn't tell us whether or not the U.S. was even involved in, this, in the death. But they did say that the, the intelligence that they had received tells them that Hamza bin Laden 
has died. Now, this is a pretty interesting story because, as, as I mentioned, he is the potential successor to Osama. He was kind of poised within al-Qaeda to succeed his father as the, the spiritual leader of al-Qaeda, uh, but as well as the tactical leader for the kind of global jihadist movement. Uh, I've talked a little bit about al-Qaeda on this podcast, and I would like to do so like a full episode at some point. But essentially, al-Qaeda has changed over time, and they're no longer uh, a strong strong hierarchy, but more kind of a series of almost like franchises in different parts of the Middle East. And so Hamza bin Laden was poised to kind of take over the head of all of these franchises. And so the intelligence community has kind of long believed that he was kind of the next in line as he kind of rose up the ranks and that he would ultimately take over the leadership there. So Hamza bin Laden is just about 30 years old, or I should say was about 30 years old now. And he had regularly appeared in all kinds of al-Qaeda propaganda videos, but he was not with his father back in 2011 when uh, the Navy SEALs went into the compound in Abbottabad, which is where Osama bin Laden was hiding. And so when Osama bin Laden was killed by these Navy SEALs, SEAL Team 6, the famous story there, Hamza was not present. But when they raided the, the compound, they found a bunch of documents. They, they took computers, documentation, all kinds of things from this bunker and have been kind of reading through all of this. And there were there thousands of things, including like video games and movies and tactical documents and all kinds of plans for what Osama bin Laden was hoping to do with al-Qaeda. And several of the documents that were found in this compound basically suggested that Hamza bin Laden was being groomed for a leadership role in the terrorist organization. And so over the years, Hamza bin Laden has kind of popped up here or there in various capacities. And he's kind of been an emerging leader within al-Qaeda. And he has threatened the United States. He's threatened Westerners. He's threatened uh, allies of the West. And back in February, there was a $1 million reward issued by the U.S. State Department for any sort of information on the whereabouts of Hamza. And in fact, he actually made a public statement that was put out by a propaganda outlet of al-Qaeda where he threatened Saudi Arabia specifically. So Osama bin Laden is actually Saudi by nationality. Like that's where he was originally from. But Saudi Arabia ultimately ended up basically disowning him and taking away his citizenship and freezing his assets and kicking him out. So he threatened Saudi Arabia and he called on his followers to revolt against the Saudi regime in that country because of how they've cooperated with the United States. So this was the last time that we saw Hamza bin Laden making any sort of public appearance or statement. And this was back in 2018. So the fact that he is now almost certainly dead, and I should, I should be very clear here, while we believe he is dead and the intelligence suggests that it's not like they, have the, they don't have the body necessarily, uh, so we don't know for sure, but it is being reported this way. Um, and so he's almost certainly dead, but I don't want to say 100%. And so while his demise, actually, I should mention too, his demise has not been confirmed by al-Qaeda either. Uh, so this is intelligence that U.S. officials feel confident enough to announce that he had been killed. Now, it is quite likely, just based on what we know about al-Qaeda and their leadership, that this took place somewhere in northwest Pakistan. This is where most of al-Qaeda's central leadership has been hiding that we know of. Uh, so it's quite likely that this is roughly where it was, but it's, it's pretty unclear as to the details of that and what actually took place. Outside of the location, though, there is virtually nothing that we know about the actual attack that led to Hamza's death. Uh, we do know a fair amount about Hamza and how he has popped up over the recent years. He is not a warrior. He doesn't really go out and do much fighting, but he is somebody who 
is kind of a, as I mentioned earlier, kind of a spiritual leader. Uh, he's the the one who comes up with a lot of the ideas. He, re- he kind of represents the future of Al-Qaeda. And so his death is probably a pretty hefty blow to the terrorist organization. Uh, now, that said, it is unlikely to be a fatal blow to, to the organization. This is not something that al-Qaeda necessarily needs to sur- continue to survive. Obviously, they lost Osama bin Laden at one point back in 2011, and they survived that. They kind of morphed into this kind of franchise-like organization. And because of that franchise nature to it, it's fairly decentralized, which means that a lot of these franchisees basically run partially autonomously. They don't necessarily adhere to a strict hierarchy where like losing your leader, you're cutting off the head of the organization would paralyze the rest of the group. And so Al-Qaeda is still potentially quite strong despite losing this kind of key leadership figure within the group and kind of rising star. And so the U.S. administration under Trump, as well as the Western administrations and other countries that have been kind of fighting alongside the U.S. as allies really need to continue to keep putting pressure on al-Qaeda because of this. And while we have seen a lot of successes, you know, the drone strike that killed their bomb maker uh, a couple of years ago, we saw, you know, the, the ISIS caliphate in Iraq and Syria going down, although they're, they're still now out there and reports are they're kind of rising again. But the U.S. counterterrorism strategy has been widely successful uh, over the last couple of years and it's something that we really need to keep pushing and putting pressure on because if you've heard me talk on this podcast, destroying terrorism is almost impossible. Uh, just as the very nature of terrorism, you can fight it, you can do a lot, you can you can kill terrorists, but unless you're willing to literally just go in and wipe out everyone, which would have massive uh, civilian casualties along the way, you really can't eradicate terrorism. It's a very, very difficult thing to do, but we have seen a few successes and this apparently is another a pretty major one. Now, again, we don't know if this was the U.S. that got him or somebody else, but uh, with this report, this is likely to be a pretty significant blow and setback to the Al-Qaeda organization as a whole. Now, moving forward, as I said, the U.S. needs to kind of keep their, their foot on the gas pedal with this. You really can't defeat ideology with physical force. And we've tried this. This is what we did when Al-Qaeda hit the United States on 9-11, and we fought back basically by invading two countries and overthrowing their leadership and killing fighters. We killed Saddam Hussein, we've killed Osama bin Laden, and yet groups like ISIS rose. Uh, groups like Al-Qaeda reformed into a new entity, and we have saw the rise of other groups around the world as well, despite the most powerful country in the world going full force into multiple countries in the Middle East. So you really can't fight ideology with guns. You need to fight ideology with ideology. And so this is why the U.S. has actually started working on the ground with allies at kind of this the state and like local levels, you know, non-state level to combat the ideology of kind of the radical Islamist movement that has so gripped some of these terrorist groups. And in fact, what we've seen on the ground in several of these countries is that the U.S. has been working with kind of key partners to put forward a more moderate interpretation, I should say, of, of Islam to where they can kind of reduce the ideological appeal of some of the more radical fringe elements that groups like Al-Qaeda and ISIS and Boko Haram and Al-Shabaab and all of these other types of groups really seem to adhere to. And so this is the area where I think most of our work really needs to be done 
uh, both in the United States, but also beyond. And further too, you know, besides just the ideological appeal, you also need to have kind of a physical security. And so this is law enforcement, you know, getting top-notch intel on some of these groups and really trying to, to provide a physical security presence to deter a lot of these attacks. And uh, just here in the United States, uh, kind of as I'm recording this, we've had two terrorist attacks just in the last 48 hours. Now, I do hesitate to call them both terrorism because I have, haven't actually read some of the more motivations of the Dayton attack. And for something to be called terrorism, this is something I've actually talked about on this podcast, but it's been a while. You know, you need to actually have some sort of political or social or maybe a religious goal beyond just hatred. If, if you're just killing people because you hate them, that's not terrorism. That's still evil. That's still entirely wrong. It's still awful, but it's not necessarily terrorism. Terrorism has this kind of political or social component to it where the target is usually more symbolic and means something beyond the actual person that you're going after. And so the one in El Paso, based on the manifesto that I've kind of skimmed through at this point, I'll have to read in a little more detail later. It does appear that one had some political components. So I feel pretty comfortable calling the El Paso attack uh, terrorism at this point. The one in Dayton, I would argue, it looks like it, but I really hesitate to call it terrorism. So at this point, I'm calling them terrorism-esque events. And this is where I really think a lot of the physical security is needed and really building up kind of the local law enforcement entities to be able to have like a relationship with the people and then also just to have moderating influences in society and this is what we're, what we're seeing with the fight against some of the radical islamist groups in the middle east is partnering with the more moderate allies on the ground as a tactic i actually think this is a really great tactic it has the potential to be very effective and i think we could actually start to i should say we should we should start to see these types of counterterrorism policies being implemented here in the United States as well on multiple different ideological fronts, uh, but really just counter trying to counter extremism and radicalism with the more moderating ideological influences. But anyway, that's getting a little off topic. Uh, let's let's bring it back around to Hamza bin Laden. Obviously, a lot of these things I'm talking about, the counterterrorism elements, these are things that are tasks going forward, and they're areas that still have a lot of work that needs to be done on them. And they're ones where I think we can really keep a close eye on going forward and kind of encourage and, and really push for, for our government, but also for kind of the broader international community to be doing. But at least for the moment today, uh, we can look at a group like Al-Qaeda and kind of be encouraged that they're, the, the hateful ideology and the hateful legacy of Osama bin Laden is, is no longer being carried on by his son, Hamza, and the the kind of rising star that he held in the terrorist organization will not continue to go forward. And obviously, uh, this is something that will at least potentially knock back Al-Qaeda. And that's something that we can can really look to today and then use that to go going forward into potentially new counterterrorism tactics and better counterterrorism tactics in the future. But with that, I'm going to go ahead and move us to a commercial break and take a, a minute just to kind of transition here. As I said at the beginning of this episode, uh, the first half of this before the commercial break was all new new stuff based on the recent announcement of the death of Hamza bin Laden. After the break, we're going to do a, a short replay of a partial bit of episode that I did back on March 4th. It was a, a grab bag episode. We did multiple different current events. But the last one that I talked about was Hamza bin Laden. And 
So we're going to transition after the commercial break, and I'm just going to replay that part of the episode where you can learn a little bit more about Hamsa and who he is and kind of how he's risen up through the ranks and that sort of thing. Uh, and then just using that as kind of backstory for what we talked about for the first part of this episode. Uh, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and send this to a commercial break. And again, afterwards, you'll jump right into that replay of the episode back from March 4th, the grab bag of current events, talking about Hamza bin Laden. Uh, so thanks so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you guys next time. Welcome back, and thanks so much for sticking with me through that commercial break. You are listening to Nutshell Politics. My name is Justin Kinney. Now, for this last little segment before we close out the episode, I want to talk about a man by the name of Hamza bin Laden. Now, Hamza bin Laden is probably a lot less famous than his very infamous father, Osama bin Laden, but Hamza is kind of a rising star among terrorist circles and just recently has been in the news. And so I thought we could talk a little bit about who he is and kind of what he's doing and why he's seen as a threat nowadays. So Hamza bin Laden, actually, let's back up. So his father, Osama bin Laden, was killed in the 2011 raid by the Navy SEALs and in the process also killed Hamza's brother, Khalid. And so in 2011, he would have been about 21, 22 or so. And so he lost his father and his brother at that point, which makes him about 29 or 30 today. It's thought that he was born in 1989 in Saudi Arabia. Now, like his father, who was the leader of Al-Qaeda, Hamza has been considered a member of Al-Qaeda for, for many years. But it wasn't really until 2006, 2007 that it was thought that he kind of took over a more senior role in the organization. Now, we do have some video of him from, I believe, 2005 or so, where we show him actually participating in an Al-Qaeda attack on uh, Pakistan security forces. And so he has been involved with this for, for many years. Again, 2005, he would have been about 16 or so. And so he's started on this very, very young. And since he has taken on a more senior leadership role, we've started to see more and more out of him. In 2007, he was implicated in the assassination of the former Pakistani prime minister, a man by the name of Benazir Bhutto. In 2008, there was a, a poem that, of all things, uh, apparently Hamza bin Laden is a poet, but he wrote a poem which was published on this kind of extremist website. And he wrote about you know the destruction of America, the destruction of Britain, France, uh, Denmark, I believe, was named in it as well. And so from this point on, he becomes known by the, the title, the Crown Prince of Terror. Now, we hadn't actually heard from him for a while, but in 2015, he releases an audio message where he uses his, his name and heritage connection to his father to call on followers to wage holy war across multiple countries. In particular, he targets, again, the United States and Britain and France, but he also throws Israel into this as well. And since that point, we have we have gotten a couple audio messages, a lot of the same rhetoric that comes up talking about liberating the people, talking about destroying America, the West, etc. But in particular, a lot of these audio messages have a theme of getting revenge on the United States for the death of his father. Talking about how, like, we are all Osama is, I think, the title of one of these speeches he gives. You know, we're going to continue striking you uh, for the revenge of Sheikh Osama. And frequently this gets used to encourage terror attacks against particularly Western targets. Now, 
his influence then within the organization has been growing, partly due to his name, but partly due to the fact that he apparently shares a lot in common with his father in terms of his brutality and his radicalism. And so in 2017, I believe it was early January or February, the United States puts him on a blacklist. And essentially the idea here is they're, they're classifying him personally as a specially designated global terrorist. And this the idea that they can do this basically ends up restricting his movement, restricting his economic abilities, these sorts of things. And this was followed up just about last week or so. I think it was February 27th or 28th. The United States State Department offers a reward for any sort of information that leads up to the identification or location of Hamza bin Laden. And they offer $1 million U.S. dollars. And the very next day, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which if you've been listening to the podcast, you know they've had some issues recently. So they're probably trying to suck up to the United States a little bit here, get us on our good side, make sure that they make sure the United States knows Saudi Arabia is an ally. But the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia announced that it revoked bin Laden's citizenship. So up to this point, he was considered a Saudi citizen. There are some questions I would personally have about why they didn't revoke it earlier. But regardless, they have now revoked it. And this is actually precedent as well. Saudi Arabia frequently does this. They had revoked Osama bin Laden's citizenship. They had frozen his assets at one point in time, too, to try to help and aid in his capture going back decades. But a lot of this kind of goes back to the idea that Hamza is probably considered Osama's heir apparent. Uh, we have evidence that at least from the late 2000 decade, uh, 2008, 2009, that Osama was grooming Hamza to become the heir to, to rule al-Qaeda and to be the leader of that group. And so the desire that Hamza would become the, the formal leader of the group goes back at least a decade or so from where we are now. And indeed, as he started to get older, and again, he's probably about 30 years old now, give or take, Hamza bin Laden has emerged as a leader in the Al-Qaeda franchise of groups. And so he has been releasing more and more video messages, more and more audio messages, more and more threats against the West. Uh, he's also now apparently married to one of the daughters of the hijackers of the September 11th attacks. Uh, this was a man by the name of Muhammad Atta. He was considered the lead hijacker on the World Trade Center attacks. And apparently his daughter is now considered married to Hamza bin Laden. And so in much the same way his father was hunted down, although probably not to the same extent because of the, the circumstances at the time, Hamza bin Laden is being hunted down. Uh, and any sort of UN member states, because of our relationship there, they're required to comply with the travel ban, arms embargo. They're required to freeze any sort of assets that he might have in their country. Um, and now, obviously, Saudi Arabia has revoked his citizenship, which limits his ability to travel as well. Now, the question is, you know, where is Hamza bin Laden? And to be honest, this is a huge mystery. Uh, this is part of the reason the United States has offered up such a, a huge reward. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that he's in Pakistan, uh, in Afghanistan, in Syria, in Iran. All of these are, are possibilities. You know, personally, I think that Pakistan makes a lot of sense. This is where uh, his father was ultimately killed in the raid on the Pakistani city of Abu Tabad. Um, and so I think it makes a lot of sense from a, a familial standpoint that he might be hiding out in the mountains of Pakistan. Uh, Afghanistan is another big possibility because of the Taliban connection there. The Taliban has kind of a history of 
supporting or pro- I should say providing a safe haven for other Islamic rebels. Now, the relationship, however, between the Taliban and al-Qaeda has deteriorated over time. So that one, personally, I think is a little less likely. While they have a history of providing safe haven, that relationship is not nearly as strong as it used to be. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Taliban's ideology is a little bit different. So they, they kind of consider each other to be a little bit apostate. And so that's, to me, seems a little less likely. But again, it's still very possible. Uh, again, Iran, Syria, both possibilities. If I was hedging my bets, I would say probably Pakistan is where you, I would be looking. But you know, it could be anywhere right now, and there's not a whole lot of evidence one way or the other. At least public evidence. Uh, who knows what our intel communities have behind the scenes? But I would imagine it's not a lot. If they're offering up a, a million dollar reward for for information on this, they probably don't have a whole lot of of detail on it. Now, Osama bin Laden actually has quite a few kids. And so Hamza is not the only one. I believe he is one of, I don't even know how many right now. I want to say it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 children of, of Osama bin Laden uh, who had multiple spouses as well. I think he had five different spouses. And so Hamza bin Laden has a lot of siblings. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, some of his siblings have been killed. I mentioned his brother Khalid was killed in the same attack as his father Osama. But this is a large family, and because of the name recognition, they have a lot of ties to other extremist groups in the region. It's also not known what other countries he might hold citizenship in, whether it's just Saudi Arabia or if other countries have granted him citizenship. It could be under different names as well, that they may not know exactly who he is when they granted him citizenship. He might have citizenship in Pakistan, Afghanistan, some of these other countries I mentioned. Uh, And so it's not really known yet. Uh, if Saudi Arabia was the only one and this will completely limit his movements or if there are others as well that he'll be able to continue to move around under a different name. Again, I think that Afghan-Pakistan connection to his family makes a lot of sense. It's quite possible he's going to use that Afghan-Pakistan border and then use that and then cross into Iran and then beyond that, who knows, it could be almost anywhere in South Central Asia. However, there's one other element of this that we should talk about, and it's because Hamza bin Laden is so young. And remember, he's only about 30 years old, give or take. And Al-Qaeda is kind of one of these groups that's considered kind of the old guard of Islamic terror or Islamist terror. Their leadership is kind of aging out. Uh, They're having a very hard time connecting with the youth. They actually had this problem, a similar problem, even when Osama bin Laden was alive that a lot of their messaging wasn't connecting with the youth, at least not on the same level that, say, a group like the Islamic State or ISIS is doing. But with the injection of a new face, a young face in Hamza bin Laden, especially one who not only still has ties to the old guard, but also is kind of coming into his own as an adult now, there is a thought that they're going to be using him to really appeal more directly to younger people, a younger crowd, get some new faces, new recruits. And this could be causing a, a bit of a problem for counterterrorists who are studying Al-Qaeda and trying to figure out how to stop them. And targeting the youth has long been a tactic of terrorist groups. And so being able to have such a young, kind of fresh-faced leader 
who is rising in the ranks is probably likely to be used to manipulate and to bring in more young people into these groups, uh, especially as Al-Qaeda has kind of struggled in recent years. Uh, they've been knocked back, obviously. They've completely changed form. They used to be much more of like a strong hierarchy, and now they're kind of broken up into almost like franchises in the same sense you might think of a, a restaurant franchise where they're semi-autonomous but kind of loosely connected to a broader hierarchy. And so Al-Qaeda has undergone a lot of changes in recent years, and they're trying to learn, I think, from some of these other groups that have been more successful recently, particularly the Islamic State. And so I think they're really trying to revamp their efforts to appeal to the youth, and Hamza bin Laden is probably at the forefront of that. And so that's definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, but with that, I think we're going to go ahead and close down the episode. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Justin R underscore Kenny. Please find me there. Follow me. Uh, we can continue, continue this conversation or any other conversation. I'd be happy to do so. You can also find me on Facebook if you're on that platform under J. Robert Kinney. I write mystery novels, and that's the name I write novels under. You can find books on Amazon. They're called Precipice and Splintered State. I have a couple more in the pipeline. They'll be coming out over the next few years as well. If you'd like to get in touch with me because you'd like to support me or this podcast or you really want to advertise on the podcast, please let me know. I'd be happy to talk with you more about that possibility going forward. And also, finally, last thing I promise, if you are interested in having me cover any particular topics, whether it's a current event or some sort of historical political issue or some sort of political theory, please let me know. I would love to talk with you about that. I've had a couple of people reach out to me already and I'll be incorporating their ideas into future episodes. And so I would love to hear what you guys want to talk about. Uh, but with that, we're going to go ahead and close things out. So in conclusion, this is Nutshell Politics. My name is Justin Kinney and I am out in three, two, one. Yeah.